Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, hello, it's Bonzi alongside Larry Wilson from the Urban Paranormal Investigation. It is The Paranormal Pursuit, Season 1, Episode 6, Velisca Part 2. Going on, Lair? How are you doing? I'm I thought you were going to give. A, I thought you were going to get a round of applause. You raise your hand up, <laughs> like we're going to give a round. Of, I think we do deserve a round of applause for last week's episode, man. Uh, over ten thousand uh, listens, wow. man. So, uh, yeah, great job. Yeah, so that's, that's good. It's good a good, news. good, good uh, start. And uh, again, uh, this season all about Larry and the beginnings of his paranormal pursuit, his paranormal journey, his trips that he's gone on. Uh, you know, without. Us here at the radio station. Uh, we'll get to those uh, later on. But man, wow. Uh, a lot of clips that we played last week. A lot of people creeped out. I had one message from somebody that said she cannot listen to these. I might, I might have said this to you last week, but she cannot listen to these while she's by herself in the dark. You know, I've had a lot of people tell me that. Yeah, especially uh, about the Velisca house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, I get it. I get it for sure. Um, last week in, in, in Velisca Part 1, if you missed that, we went through the entire like uh, history and the rundown of Velisca and the, and the story on why it's so haunted and how, why it's so paranormal, why it's such a place that people want to go to, but why you need to be very careful and safe, okay? Right. Because you know things do happen, uh, things have happened to folks there, you know that that um, not good things. And uh, we last week, Ghost Adventures. You know, we played a clip that Zach Baggins had gotten right. in during his investigations, and um, they actually went back to the house. They went, they've been there a few times. Matter of fact, one time that they were there was just the week before, and, and I've told you the story before. But the X's they place in different locations, put their cameras were right, still right. on the floor. Yeah, so. that's crazy. So we played a clip last week, and again, you can go listen to the if, if you missed last week's episode, you really should go listen to last week's episode uh, five. Uh, yeah, episode five. Listen to part one before you listen to part two. Um, and we played this clip right here. But the reason we're going to play it again is because it, it, it's a clip of uh, some some just different type of weird laughter that was picked up as an EVP by Zach Baggins and the Ghost Adventures. Larry, while you were there on one of your investigations, you picked up laughter as well, which you mentioned last right. week. Yeah. You found the clip. You brought it with you. We're going to compare the two clips. Okay. Yeah. So here's the clip from Ghost Adventures. Is this the axe that you used to kill eight people? Just then, my digital recorder captured an EVP that sounds like an evil spirit laughing at my questions. Is this the axe that you used to kill eight people? So... I mean, you hear it there, and it does sound like laughter, okay? It does. This is the clip that you got. Now, which investigation was this from? This was from 2009. Okay. And you've been there how many times again? Uh, five. Five. Was this, so this is the second time you were back? or This was the third time. This was the third, third time you were this back. This was after everything that the events we're going to talk about today. This is the next year after. Okay. So okay. So where did you get this clip? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, it's in the parlor. Most okay. of the clips that I've ever recorded in that house come from the parlor or the blue room downstairs. Okay. And the parlor explain to people what that is again yeah as you come into the house there's like a it's a small two-story house but small downstairs you come in there's a kitchen 
as soon as you walk through the kitchen door, basically through the kitchen, then you're right in the parlor. Yeah, I, I call it kind of like a meeting room or a family room, you yeah, know, it, if you will. You could call it's it a family room. It's got the wood room. floors right. in there. It's got a lot of windows, yep. man. Piano. And, uh, very, very creepy. So this is where, Larry, were you were you in this room when you got this clip? Do you remember? I believe so, because uh, there was just one other guy with me. Okay. We, we didn't hear it, of course, but okay. we recorded it. Here it is. <laughs> Yeah, that's. It almost sounds like someone's either mentally challenged or a little deranged. Deranged is the word. I mean, that's just kind of like someone like a laugh at like, (laughs) I just did something that you're not going to like. I'm getting ready to do something that you're not going to like. So, guys, this is the real deal. It's the Velisca Axe Murder House in uh, Velisca, Iowa. Again, Larry's been there numerous times. He's experienced a lot of things. He's seen a lot of things. You've actually physically seen something we're going to talk about today. We're going to post pictures on the website on the link to this podcast. So, Larry, uh, without further ado, uh, let's go with part two of your... uh, experiences with the Velisca Axe Murder House. Well, as I mentioned last week, you know, we, we had a few things happen while we were there. But the real, uh, what I call, you know, um, eye-opening stuff happened when I got home. And uh, basically the first night I, I got home, you know, I, I just, I didn't review any audio or anything. I started the following night, which was would have been September 10th of 2008. And uh, I'd been listening to my audio, and I should kind of let people know when I listen to audio and you do the same thing, um, I transfer the audio from my tape recorder to a computer. So, and I have an, an audio, uh, audio editing program that I listen to the audio. So I'm, my eyes are focused on a computer screen when, as I'm listening with headphones. And so, uh, this first night, um, I'd probably been listening for about an hour and, uh, my wife, Kathy was the only other person home. You know, I've got a son, but he was gone. And uh, anyhow, as I'm listening to audio and I've got my eyes focused on the computer screen, um, I see somebody walk into the, my home office, which is just right off our kitchen. And I assumed it was Kathy. And so I, f- I kind of finished listening to the portion of the clip I was listening to, and I stopped it, and I turned around to see what she wanted, and, and there was nobody there. And I thought, man, I clearly saw somebody come in the room, but I thought, well, you know, it's you, you had a six-hour drive yesterday, didn't get a lot of sleep last night. You're probably still t- as tired from the trip. So, you know, short time later, I'm still listening to audio, and all of a sudden, you know, I see somebody come into the room again, and this time I'm certain it had to be Kathy. So I immediately turn around, and, and again, there's nobody there. So at that point, I'm starting to get a little puzzled, you know, you know what, what am I seeing, you know? So then it was probably about an hour later when um, still reviewing audio, and I actually, um, you know, I, I see what looks like somebody standing in the doorway, you know, up between the kitchen and my home office. And uh, so, again, I'm thinking it's Kathy. And then um, she sort of, you know, whoever, whatever's in the doorway, whoever's in the doorway, I, I see them kind of move from the doorway behind me. And I think she's going to be playing some kind of a joke on me, you know. So I'm just uh, watching the screen, and, and you know, I, I turn around again, and there's nobody there. But I clearly saw somebody standing in the doorway. So later that evening... And I'm still in my office uh, reading audio. Same thing happens again. So this is the fourth time within several hours that I thought I saw somebody coming in the room. And at the same time, 
uh, the room just sort of gets an eerie feeling, just like, you know, you get, you get the chills, you know, like somebody's watching you, that kind of thing. And then, um, you know, I had turned around, Kathy's not there, so I turn back around, and I'm sitting there, and as I'm sitting there, that eerie feeling is still there, and the hair stands up on the back of my neck. Then all of a sudden, I can feel, it's like somebody takes the back of their hands and ran their fingers up the back of my neck, and at the time, my hair was a little longer in the back, and I could feel the hands go up, my, the fingertips go up my neck and flip my hair up in the air. And I jumped out of my seat because it startled me because you know as well as I do, when you've got those headphones on, you've got the audio blasting. And even though it might, you might be listening to white noise, you can't hear anything in the room. So immediately I jumped out of my seat, turned around, and there was nobody there. And I, I clearly felt fingertips brush the back of my neck and flip my hair. And had, had, you, had you heard any clips yet? Or had you found any evidence yet that might have like really, really been a trigger or really might have been an influence on what you were feeling? At that point, I hadn't found anything yet. And um, usually I put anywhere from six to eight tape recorders in there. You know, each recorder records about eight hours worth of audio. So you've got a lot of audio to listen to. So, and I'm not certain which uh, recorder I was listening to at this point. Uh, actually, I am. It was uh, it was also from the parlor. Uh, on the, there was a piano in the parlor at that time, and I placed a recorder on the piano, and that's the what I was listening to was from that recorder. So, really, you know, I I knew what I felt, but there was nothing there, right? And so I'm still starting to think, well, man, you know, maybe you're still tired from yeah, the, mind's the playing tricks drive. on you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you're, you're you're at a murder house, you know, and it's just like you said, your mind's playing tricks on you. So about a week goes by and nothing happened. I hadn't found any audio yet. And I'm listening to the audio in, and again, in my home office. Kathy's at the kitchen sink doing dishes. And again, my son, he's high school age. He's out again. There's nobody home but Kathy and I. And all of a sudden, I find this audio clip that we're going to play here in just shortly. Um, and I hear this voice say something. And so anyhow, um, I stop the audio. You know, I highlight it, stop it, and I run it back. And I, I get Kathy's attention. I said, hey, listen to, listen to what I recorded here. And I told her what I thought it said. And this is she, like your first big find, from, right? From the Velisca yeah, house. Yeah. yeah. And so I play the clip for it. She says, you know, she heard it. And then she says, but don't you hear what it says next? And I, I hadn't at that point. So if you can just play the very first part of the clip where, you know, what you know what it says. So just play that part. And that's all I heard. Tell me when to pause it. Okay. No. Okay, so I'll play it again for you. All right. So when you played that for me the first time after you told me this story, this was when we first met, you know, because the Velisca has been a part of your life and, and a main part of your life since I've known you. Yeah. I you, I hear something and I, and I always thought it said either come here go here you're here something here yeah and you obviously think it says come here come here so, and it sort of has kind of a I don't know if, if you're an older generation remember Boris Karloff the old Frankenstein yeah, movies yeah. it's kind of got that kind of an accent right now that's that's loud, yeah. man. I mean that is loud and that is clear. And Kathy heard also heard the same thing. Yeah. So right after that, like immediately after that, yep. 
you do hear something else, and you did not hear it the first time. Because I really didn't go far. As soon as I heard that come here, it was clear, and I heard it, and I basically just stopped what I was doing, highlighted that part of the right, clip. Right, right, right. But, I mean, it's right after it. Yeah. It's right after yeah. it. So listen closely. There's so much going on. Yeah. With this, what is this, five seconds maybe? About. Yeah, about. Listen to it again. Okay. So I remember again when you played this for me uh, the first time, you didn't tell me anything that it said. I know I heard, come here. Yeah. And then I thought I heard your name. Yes, whispered. Okay. And then I couldn't tell what else was on there. But I remember saying to you, there's different voices on there. Those have to be you. No, they weren't. And I said it had to be people that you were with. The part of this clip that Kathy heard was just the whisper of my name. She clearly heard the the name Larry whispered. But the other parts, see that the other two that were with me was one was Paul Robinson and Paul's from England and he's got the if you've ever heard of somebody with a strong British accent, he does. This is not a British accent, the third thing that's said on this after the Larry. Let's listen to it one more time. So you're going to hear, come here, Larry. You're going to hear that. And then what do you think is is after that? See, that real big, deep sound yeah. in the middle. What do you think is being said? I think it's being said, said what's what's being said is we have you to stalk. And it's talking in almost like a, a European or a German accent. And then there's two more things said after <laughs> by what sounds like two different voices. After we have you to stalk, I hear tie her, and then shortly after that, just kind of a matter of fact, I'll kill her. Now, I'm not going to say again what I think is being said at the very end there because I think it's a bad word. I think okay. it's something you know, but it 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 it's you know yeah, it's something that's not good, and right. it's you know um, something that. And the tie her talks about abusing somebody, you know. And okay, it's okay. It's tough. The tie her part wouldn't make sense to the murders because no one, as far as I know, no one was tied up, right? You know, but uh, say the clip again. Come here, Larry. Larry, we have you to stalk. Tie her. I'll kill her. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah. And I mean, it's just oh my gosh! There's so many, so many goosebumps on me right now. Because every time I hear that clip, I hear something different. I hear some. I see. I hear more voices on there in different tones, and it's just it's. And there's no reason for that to be there at no, all. No. Um, and also, you know, this was the first time in the years I'd been investigating that I'd recorded my name being said. And so the first time you hear your name being said, and it comes from a murder house. Um, your that heart just, just drops. It did. It did. You know, and I've, I've, what, since, did, what did Kathy say? Um, you know, she really, at that point, you know, nothing bad had ever happened in our house before. And so she didn't really 
care if I went investigating. Right, right, I right. didn't really bother. But as as you hear the story here, more and more things started bothering her. And I think at that point, uh, after you know the, the couple months that would go by, she would have been happy if I would have just stopped you know investigating the paranormal. It's part two of the Velisca House, guys. Uh, episode six of the Paranormal Pursuit. I'm Bonzi. That's Larry Wilson. Uh, and so, um, so what happened after that? After after that, you heard well, you found that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, later that night. Um, actually, it was about an hour later. Um, I started to notice that the the room I was in, because I didn't have a light on in, in my office, I just was using the lighting from the computer, and the kitchen light was on. And, and Kathy had since uh, finished her you know her own chores in the kitchen and went to the living room to relax. So I'm sitting there watching the computer screen and, and kind of just focused, listening to the audio, uh, not paying attention to my surroundings. And all of a sudden I noticed, man, uh, sure did get dark in here, you know, because the kitchen light was keeping the room sort of illuminated. And so anyhow, I, I kind of just kind of just froze and looked each way out of the corner of my eyes because I was thinking I, if there's something here, you know, I, I didn't want to really look around and, and let it know that I knew it was there. But I, I kind of was thinking, man, th- this light, it shouldn't be dark in here, you know. And then I started thinking, well, maybe Kathy turned the light out. This is all going through my head. So I started to turn uh, to my right, and when I did, I saw what looked like the torso of a person standing in the doorway. And what's weird about it is uh, it, it shocked me. So I stood up, and as soon as I did, it vanished. And next thing you know, the, the room's just light again. So it was like there was something there blocking the light from the kitchen because Kathy had not turned the kitchen light out. It was something in the doorway was blocking the actual light coming in from the kitchen. So <laughs> as soon as I the light came back, you know, back in. Uh, I mean, just goosebumps, just yeah, it's uh, creepy, man, through my entire body. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, yeah. It's 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 creepy stuff. And then later that night, uh, I was sitting in the living room with Kathy. We're watching TV, and the way our living room set up, you can see there's a doorway that goes into our dining room, and 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 it branches off into the hallway. And so you can see part of the dining room in the hallway. And I'm sitting there watching TV. And several times I saw what I thought was someone past the doorway. And again, just Kathy and I home. And so I, I kind of look over to Kathy to see if she saw it and she's sleeping. You know, she fell asleep watching TV. So a few minutes later, I see it again. And it's just like a shadow of a person strolling past the doorway down the hallway. But what really got my attention was we have a thermostat on the wall and it's lit up. And when this shadow passed the thermostat, it blocked out the thermostat. So I knew something had passed by the thermostat. So I got up and go to the hallway, turn the lights on and go to our bedrooms there down the hallway. There's a bedroom on the right and a bedroom on the left. And before you get to the bedrooms, there's a bathroom on the left and uh, another spare bedroom on the right. And uh, I had turned the lights on all those rooms and there was nothing there, you know? So again, I still write this off to being tired from the trip. Uh, And that was one of the, the weirdest things about this whole episode that went on for several months through the whole event uh, that went on, I kept telling myself that I was tired or I'm imagining things. And you would think a paranormal investigator, the first thing they would think after being at a murder house would, hey, something came home with me. But I didn't, you know. I kept trying to write it off as either something wrong with me or I'm imagining mind things. Tra- yeah, mind yeah, playing, playing tricks. tricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyhow, um, then, you know, later that night, uh, again, Kathy had gone to bed. Um I heard like somebody walk through again through the dining room toward the kitchen area. And I'm thinking Kathy got up out of bed. So um, I thought, well, you know, it's time to go to bed. So I shut the TV off and walked in there 
and uh, you know, didn't see her. So I, I go in the bedroom, and she's sound asleep in the in the bed. So you know, it hadn't <laughs> been her that walked in there. But again, did I really hear what I thought I heard, or you know? And, and so I, I keep asking myself all these questions. Um, so, but at that point, that's basically when the footsteps started. And then from that point on, it was all days of the hours in the night, uh, you know, during the day and the night, and at my office at work. I would hear footsteps out of nowhere. Um, sometimes I'd be at the copy machine at work, and I hear somebody walk up behind me, and I turn around and say hi, and there's nobody there. You know? Are they stomping footsteps? Are they uh, just like shuffling just, footsteps, quick footsteps? Well, what was kind of weird at work is that the copy room was carpeted, so you really shouldn't have heard footsteps. But I could hear footsteps come up behind me, and I didn't think about that at the time. You know, I shouldn't be hearing footsteps, but I did, and I'd turn around. There wouldn't be anybody there. Huh. Um one of the strangest things that happened was uh, this happened at the office. Um, in our office building, it's the Alzina building at the corner of First and Jefferson. And it's a six-story building. But down on the first floor, there are elevators at each end of the building, and there's three elevators at each end. And this one particular day, I was just coming back from lunch, and I took a late lunch, so there wasn't many people in the hallways. I would go to lunch at 1, come back around 2, and I'm walking down the hallway from the south to the north, I go around the corner of the of the of the building there inside, and I can see the elevators and the uh, the two ele- uh, elevator doors on the left and the right side are are closed, but the one in the middle is opening and is starting to close. And I see a uh, what is, is a, a blue like na- dark navy blue like uh, suit hand or arm reach out, and I can see the hand hold the door for me. So I sped it up a little bit. I started trotting. I jogged into the elevator. And as soon as I got to the elevator door, to be impolite, I just said, you know, thank you. And when I got in the elevator, there was nobody there. And I knew I clearly saw a, a hand that was like a dark, either navy blue or dark suit in a hand Hold that door open. For and every time you tell me that, I'm just like, you're, you're crazy, man. Yeah. You're just yeah. crazy. You're a crazy person. And you, <laughs> that, that, that Well, what I did when I you, got If the, I saw that, man, I'd be like, no game. Well, I got Cheryl the elevator. psychic, I need to give you a call. <laughs> when I got in the elevator, um, actually, I put my back to the back of the elevator because I was wondering, hey, I know what I just saw. But then there I go again. You know, something's wrong with you, man. You're you're going nuts. Yeah, you know, yeah. That kind of thing. So anyhow, uh, probably two or three days later, uh, I'd been working late. And you're talking, you know, late September now. Um, I leave uh, leave the office, go to the parking lot, and most of the cars were gone. And I'm unlocking the door to my car, and all of a sudden I hear somebody walk up behind me. And it was, you know, you could hear like the clicking of the footsteps. And first in Jefferson is not what I would call a high crime area, but at night there have been some muggings. Yeah. So I turned around to see who was behind me and to see what they wanted because it walked up right behind me. And, and again, there's nobody there. And uh, so, you know, again, there you go. There's footsteps. I'm hearing them, and and still back to the same thing. You know, man, you you gotta get some sleep or <laughs> yeah, something. Right, things, right, right, right. Things are starting to uh, to get out of hand here. Um, it wasn't maybe, but a couple days after that, I'm home at, home at uh, in the evening. Um, it was probably six, seven o'clock. You know. And I go to the kitchen. I'm standing at the kitchen to get a glass of water. And there's a window uh, right in front of our kitchen sink. And so I'm getting a glass of water. I see somebody in a dark coat walk, I mean, walk right up against our house and pass the kitchen window. And so I set my glass down and I ran uh, across the uh, the rest of the kitchen into the dining room area. And we've got some French doors there that open into the outside. And I should have got there about the same time as a person would have that passed by that window because I'm wanting to know who in heck's trespassed in our yard. 
So I get to the French doors. There's nobody there. So I open the doors, run outside, don't see anybody. So I go to the corner of the house and look around the corner thinking they must have gone around the corner of the house, and there's nobody there. But I clearly saw, like, somebody in a dark coat walk by, walk by the window, you know. So at this point, it's starting to get a little more real, you know. And I'm starting to wonder if I did maybe bring something home with me. But still in the back of my mind is, man, is there, is there something wrong with you? Well, you don't want to believe it. No. no I mean, you don't. you don't want to believe it. I mean, there's no way you want to believe that you brought something home with it. You're going to be like, no, 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 no. Well, that was one of the things because uh, I always say, you know, everybody wants a ghost until they get one. And I think part of the, the reason was I kept denying what I was seeing was uh, if I did bring something home, you know, how do you get rid of it? Yeah, what's it going to do to you? Yeah. Or, or worse, what's what, it going to do to your family? What are the intentions right. and how do you get rid of it? Right. Um, but anyhow, uh, a few days later, I just finished uh, – this is on a Saturday afternoon and um, – we're talking, you know, late afternoon. I just finished mowing the yard, and uh, Corey was gone. Kathy was gone down to, uh, to visit her mother. So just me in the house. So I go into our bathroom, and we're going to take a shower. So I disrobe, you know, whatever, and just get ready to step in the shower when I hear our garage door go up, and I hear a car pull into the garage. And I hear like a, you know, a thump, thump, or because of the footing of the garage, there's a crack in it, and you can always hear like a thump, thump when somebody drives in. So I hear somebody, so I'm thinking Kathy probably came home, you know. So anyhow, I start to get in the shower, and I hear the kitchen door open, and I hear my son Corey yell, hey, Dad. And I yell, you know, what do you want? I'm going to take a shower. No response. I said, you know, Corey, what do you want? He didn't answer, so I'm a little perturbed. So I wrap the towel around, and I step out in the hallway to see what he wants, and he's not there. So I walk into the kitchen, and, you know, thinking maybe he went back out into the garage, and I open the garage door, or, or the, the, the kitchen door leading into the garage, and the outside garage door is down, and the only vehicle in the garage is mine. And there's no way Corey could have got inside. And for one thing, he didn't pull his vehicle in the Jeep, or he had a Jeep, and he didn't drive, uh, pull it into the, the garage anyway because Kathy parked her car in the garage and Corey parked his in the driveway, so he wouldn't have pulled in the driveway anyway. But uh, so I hurried and ran to the, I didn't open the garage door, but I hurried and ran to the living room to see if Corey had backed out or something. No, there was nobody there. Uh, later that evening when Corey came home, I asked him, but did, you know, did you come home this afternoon? And then leave and right away. Yeah. And, and he said, no, no oh, I just got gosh. home, you know. But I clearly heard his voice. And so, I forgot about that one. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's bad. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so anyhow, um, after that, uh, the probably the next most uh, you know, chilling thing was, even when I was watching TV or reading or anything, I would feel like there's somebody watching me. And then I remember several times I, I didn't want to turn and look. I would look out of the corner of my eyes, and then I would gradually turn. And I remember one time I did it, there it was again. It was like someone standing there with, a, with a, say, a, a sport coat or a dark jacket on, standing there into my peripheral. But when I would turn and fully look, there was nobody there. Man. Yeah, and this, this went on quite a bit. Um, one of the odd things that happened was, um, one day I'm at work and there was a, a, a lady that worked next to me. Her name was Leslie. And we mentioned her in the last podcast because her daughter, uh, Ashton is empathic and, mm-hmm. and picked up a few things before I went to the house about me. She picked up on some things mm-hmm. that were going to happen to me, but anyhow, she's sitting behind me and I'm sitting at my desk and I should say that, or, or, or let the listeners know that the Alzina building, the windows in the building are sealed. So you can't open the windows in the building. And I'm sitting there at my desk, and all of a sudden I feel a breeze go past me. And I'm thinking it's Leslie 
maybe walked by me. And I turn to look. Well, she's sitting at her desk and has her headphones on. And then just out of the blue, I smelled a stench of what smelled like hog manure. It just was like a rotten, smelly manure smell. And I turned and looked at Leslie, and I said, man, do you smell that? And she didn't smell anything. And I said, well, and I told her what I smelled. She goes, man, I don't smell it, you know. And I told her what I felt, you know, with the air going by. And she said, no, I've been sitting here the whole time. I didn't get up and move around or anything. But uh, so anyhow, it was just weird stuff like that started happening. And um, the the thing that really puzzles me to this day, because it still goes on to this day to, to a certain extent, was I started hearing my name called. And it was just a whisper like, Larry. Like and what it, you heard in the like, EVP. Ex- yeah. Exactly like yeah. what you hear in the EVP. And it was always in my right ear. The first time I heard it, I was at work, and it was, uh, I think, during lunch hour. I don't remember, but Leslie wasn't there. And just out of the blue, I heard, Larry. And it was in my right ear, and I immediately turned and looked to see who wanted me, and there was nobody there. But when that happened, and it happened a total of four times over the next few weeks where I would hear that, it was always in my right ear. But uh, each time it would happen, it was like when you're flying in a jet or a plane, and as you gain altitude, your ears sort of pop, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can't hear anything. It's like it's like your environment is totally, totally just blocked out. Well, I couldn't hear anything, and this would last maybe 15, 20 seconds, and almost like my ears would pop or whatever. I could I could hear the environmental sounds around me again. But the first time that happened, it it you know it really startled me because I knew what I heard. But again, there's nobody there. So that Saturday morning, I'm watching TV. It's early. Kathy had gone to the local Kroger's to do a little bit of grocery shopping. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I hear the Larry again. And as soon as it happened, the same thing. Everything was just silent. I didn't hear anything. I had chills, you know, all over my body. I'm looking around, like, but there's nobody there. And again, I'm still thinking either you brought something home with you or there's something wrong with you, man, and you might have to go see somebody, Mm -hmm. you know. So this is the, the weird thing I'm just telling you about. Um, not long after that, I'm at work one day and a coworker and a friend named Lilia, who didn't know I'd been anywhere. Um, she comes to me one day and she's got this weird look on her face and she said, Hey Larry, I want to ask you something or tell you something. And I look at her and I say, yeah, what, what's up? And she says, I just heard your name whispered while I was sitting at my desk and it was right in my ear. And I said, well, immediately I said, well, which ear was it? And she said, it was my right ear. And then I explained to her, you know, where I'd been and what I'd been experiencing. So that was the first time I told her what I'd experienced and what where I'd Did been. you know, is she, is she a paranormal person? Is she no, someone that investigates? The, or is she... she knew that I was a paranormal investigator okay. because uh, about a year before I took uh, Lilia, my wife. But she's not somebody who goes on these trips. No. Well, okay. I took them down to Alton and, and my friend Gary down there that we mentioned in the very right. first episode of the podcast. Um, but you the, hadn't told her any of these stories, anything that had been happening to you. Not, you had, she no. didn't know any of this stuff. And I hadn't even told my wife what was happening. Oh, and, my and it, Because if something was going on, I sure as heck didn't want her to know it, you know. Oh, oh, um, oh. But so I finally told Lilia what was going on. And then it was maybe 10 days later, she came to me again. And she lives in Chatham. And she said, uh, I heard it again. She said, I was at home and I heard your voice whispered. No, thanks. And, and later on, you know, I probably I should wait till the next episode maybe to discuss this. But I, I did... Uh, mentioned that to Cheryl the psychic at one point. Why were other people hearing my name called? And she said, because you weren't believing it. You still b- believe there was something wrong with you. And whatever this was, wanted you to know that, hey, I'm here and I'm real. And by other people hearing that, um, then you would start. It was to confirming it, it. It was validating it. It was it a was validation. Proving it. it. Exactly. <sighs> um, so, but I mean, then 
you know, things at home, it didn't matter if I was alone or with somebody or with, you know, Kathy or Corey. Um, I would hear Kathy uh, many times call my name and I'd say, you know, what do you want or what do you need? I didn't say anything. And, you know, this went on so much that finally one day Kathy says, uh, are you hearing things? And I, I could have said, you know, yeah, I am because I'm hearing you call my name. But um, again, I, I, I never mentioned to her what was going on. And then um, finally one day Kathy comes to me and she says, uh, what did you bring home with you? And I said, what do you mean? She says, what did you bring home with you from that house? And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, I hear you all the time asking me what, what do you want? What do you want? Oh, geez. She said, I've been hearing you call my name as well. And she said, I've heard it a couple of times and you weren't home. And then uh, she said, also, I think I've seen several times somebody walking in the house. And when I go look, there's nobody there. And I told her, I said, no, nah, I said, I said, there's shadows from cars coming through our windows and stuff. And I tried to play it off as yeah, you're trying the same to thing. knock it down. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't want her to know that I'm, you know, maybe something's going on. But that was the first indication that something really might have come home. And then somebody me. else was, was, was listening, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the next thing that happened was uh, we had a local gym in Taylorville, and a lady named Stephanie opened it, or, or owned it, rather. And one Friday evening, I'm in there just with her, and she's vacuuming. And I'm on the, and at that time I was into weightlifting a lot. So I had uh, some 60 pound dumbbells and I was doing, lying on a bench doing dumbbell bench presses. And I picked the dumbbells up to do a set. And like I said, Stephanie's pretty close to me, just vacuuming, nobody else there but me. And as I do the first rep, I extended my arms up and just like they were magnetized, the dumbbells locked together. They were metal dumbbells and they locked together. So I'm laying on the bench with two 60 pound dumbbells above my chest and I can't move them. I can't pull them apart. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And I decide I'm going to have to roll off this bench and throw them and hope they don't hit me. You know, as I'm just getting about ready to do that, I pull one more time and they completely pull apart. And I almost, I lost my balance because they pulled apart just like they were magnetized. And I, and I kind of look over and Stephanie had stopped vacuum and she's looking at me like, what the heck are you doing? So I explained to her what just happened. She said, yeah, I saw it. She said, I wondered what you were doing because <laughs> Is you, a new you, workout were, or you were like, something? yeah, you were like, challenge, or you were like trying to pull these things apart or <laughs> something. I didn't know if you were doing some kind of, like you said, right. exercise where some arm locked dynamic or, tension yeah, or something, yeah. you know, and, uh, and I explained what happened, you know, and, and, and she saw it. You oh. know, she was a, a witness of that. So uh, that could have gone bad. Oh, it could have gone real bad. Yeah. Um, so then uh, I was in Decatur, Illinois at some friend's house and they were into the metaphysical. And uh, they knew I'd been to Villisca, and they, I told them the things that had been going on. And I kind of went to see them. One of the reasons was that they were people I could talk to. Well, they had just got this. They did a lot of traveling, and they had just got this crystal, what they call crystal singing bowl. And people into the metaphysical use it um, to basically, well, how it works is you've got what looks like maybe like a drumstick that you would play the drums with, and it's got a rubber tip on the end of it. And then you take it and rub it against the inside of the bowl in a, in a counterclockwise manner, and it makes this high-pitched, yep, almost yep, singing yep, sound. Yep. So anyhow, they were using A lot of it. monks use those. A they, lot of the, religious groups use those. Tibetans yes. use uh, metal ones. Okay. This was crystal. Okay. And so anyhow, they say, hey, do you want to try it, Larry? And I said, yeah, sure. So they give it to me. And it, t- it takes a little technique to get it to really hum and sing, you know. So I'd been using it maybe for a minute. And then I'm getting the hang of it. And it starts to sing really loud. Then the next thing you know, it explodes like somebody shot it with a bullet. Glass shards just go all over the room. And I'm sitting there with the uh, like drumstick in my hand or the mallet and nothing else because it's just in a million pieces. What was everybody's reaction? Like, what the hell? 
And <laughs> then we started talking that, did you think it has anything to do with the energy you might've brought back from that house? And again, at that time, I still didn't, hadn't really confirmed for myself that something came home Jeez. with me. Um, I know we're getting a little bit short on time here, so I want to get through some of these things. Um, another thing that happened was one night I'm laying in bed, and, and, and I should mention, too, that when all this was going on, I came down with anxiety, insomnia, uh, claustrophobia. Um, I started acting like a recluse, like at work. I always like to joke with people at work. Just yeah, yeah make you're it talking to a friendly guy. Yeah, yep. and I started being reclusive. Um, I wish I had a, a dollar for every time somebody came to Kathy because Kathy worked with me at the State Board of Ed, and nobody at the office knew what was going on until I finally told Lilia. Uh, but anyhow, they would come to Kathy and say, what's wrong with Larry? Like at work, let's say you were talking to me. Everything's fine. But if a third party came up and started talking to me, before those two people left or you know departed the conversation, they were arguing with each other. And it didn't just happen occasionally. It turned out after this stuff started steamrolling, every single time it, somebody would come to my desk and another person would join the conversation, those two people would end up arguing. No. And it was not, it was just okay, not occasional, but all the time. Uh, mechanical things would start breaking down and not just occasional, but everywhere I went. Uh, in, in just a, about a week's time, all three of our vehicles had broken windshields. Um, we all had flat tires. Um, the battery in Corey's truck went dead, and I had to go, you know, to – he was had baseball practice for SCI up at Lanfear right. Park. So those cars broke down, okay? We, yeah, we, all we this stuff that. happened. Yeah, yeah, so, those- so one night I'm in bed, and like I said, I had insomnia. But this particular night uh, I had been getting some sleep, and then just with – out of the blue I felt somebody like blowing on my face. I could feel it, uh, but I couldn't open my eyes. And then so anyhow um, – I'm thinking, you know, I'm having like what do they call that sleep paralysis, you know. <laughs> Finally, I was able to open my eyes and, and whatever it was was gone. Uh, the next morning, I get up to take a shower and I've still, uh, I wear necklaces around my neck. Like at the time, though, I had a St. Michael medallion and the medallion had a little eyelet with a chain that was soldered shut. So there was no openings in the chain. And I always wore that around my neck and I would have to take it over my head every morning to mm-hmm. take the shower. The next morning I get up and I start to take my shower and I start to take the medallion off my neck and the medallion's gone. The chain's around my deck, my neck, but the medallion's gone. And there's no way for the medallion to come off the chain without the chain breaking apart. And it didn't. And I searched in my pillow, the bed, under the bed, that medallion to this day, I have never found it. So anyhow, it was like that thing just disappeared. Uh, several nights. And what's la- the medallion of St. Michael do for you? Well, I always wear it as kind of just a sign of protection. You know, I believe in God, and I believe God protects me the places I go. And, you know, and, of course, St. Michael is sort of like his, his – I call him God's bouncer. You yep. know, he's the one that uh, – yep. the, the guy you want to go to. But anyhow, I know we're running short here, but i got to tell you this story because it's going to be pertinent to the next episode. Uh, another night I'm in bed, and I'm sleeping, and then just um, out of the blue – again, it's like sleep paralysis. I can't open my eyes. Out of the blue, I start hearing this song, and it's a song from the 70s, and it was a Casey and the Sunshine Band song called I'm Your Boogeyman. And the lyrics that I heard was, I'm your boogeyman, that's what I am. I'm here to do whatever I can, be it early morn, late afternoon, or at midnight, it's never too soon. And then it would stop and start over again. This went on for probably five minutes. And then finally, uh, I suddenly felt like a hand pressed my face. I was laying on my side. It, I felt a hand take my face and push it down into the mat. And when that did, it startled me. That's the song. And I hear it to this day, I get the creeps. But anyhow, 
Um, I, it startled me, and I rose up in a panic, looked at the foot of the bed, and didn't see anything, but all of a sudden I heard footsteps scurrying out of the room down the hallway. Um, there's a lot more I need to tell, but but anyhow, the one last thing I want to tell before we, we break and then go into next week is uh, one night, uh, well, when when I started researching Velisca before I went, I found a photo of this older man. And the story behind this older man is he's got like his uh, a kind of grayish hair combed over. He's got a beard. And there's a picture of him uh, on one of the Velisca pages. And there's these two little girls in like white dresses and white bows in their hair. And when I saw this picture, for some reason, it just gave me the chills. And the story is this man showed up the, days of, the day of the murders and nobody had ever seen him before, and they never saw him again afterwards. But, you know, it, like I said, that photo just sort of gave me the chills. So anyhow, one night, uh, again, I worked late, and this is in October. And I'm driving down Clear Lake Avenue, and I take the, the uh, 55 exit off Clear Lake. And as I take the exit, um, I'm merging into traffic, and I look in the rearview mirror just to make sure there's no cars I'm going to, you know, merge into. And when I looked into the mirror, I saw a black and white, it was lit up like illuminated, almost like a hologram. Uh, there was this old man with a beard sitting in the back seat of my car. And I immediately recognized the face, and it was the face of the old man in the picture that uh, I gave you a copy of it. I think you're going to, that I got off the web, and I think you're going to post it at some point. But uh, what I saw in the back seat of my car was the old man in that photo. And whether the old man has anything to do with the Velisca murders, nobody knows that. And I'm not saying he did. But I think because how chilling it was when I saw the picture, I think whatever it was that had come home with me was you know, trying to scare me and let me know, hey, I'm, I'm here with you. Um, but anyhow, I, uh, you know, I, I, I drive home that night. Of course, I didn't tell Kathy. But that was the final straw that, that broke the proverbial camel's back that made me— to. to Say, you know, you got to figure out what you're going to do about this because you brought something home with you. I think a perfect uh, EVP clip to end. You know, we didn't get to an EVP of the week last week or this week because these episodes went pretty long. Um, a clip we can end on that, that's perfect for this theme that you've been talking about is the one you sent. And again, I hear it clearly from everything you've been talking about, hearing stuff behind you, uh, hearing your name being behind you. Yeah. Uh, this EVP clip was found at Velisca by you. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to play the clip real quick and uh, then we'll explain. So what do you think that says? Uh, first it says behind you. Mm-hmm. And then you hear what sounds like either firecrackers or gunshots. Gun it doesn't shots. really sound like gunshots. Gun it could be gunshots. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's gunshots. Yeah. That's what that, those are. You keep you always say fireworks. I'm like, Larry, those are gunshots, bro. And I hear, you know, every single time I hear it, I hear behind you or I hear behind him. I hear behind you. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah behind yeah, yeah. you. Behind you or behind you, behind yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, no, we didn't hear that. It was recorded, but we didn't hear it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we kind of just touched the iceberg on all the stuff that went down. And I'm not trying to plug my book, but if, if folks are really interested in hearing or uh, reading about all the details that went on, uh, I did write a book called Where Evil Lurks. And you can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, Target, any of those websites. 
It's uh, it's a good book, guys. And and our and our friend downstairs, Linda, she's read all of them and she loves them. And she just again can't wait to meet you, man. I mean, she and I don't know if you've ever talked with her, but she's always been busy every time we've yeah. you've been here. But um, that's Velisca part two, part three, guys. Gets even crazier. We're gonna post some photos, okay, on the link to this one this time. Do you want to talk about those really Could quick? Could I please? Yeah. Just real yeah. quick. I mean, we've got like literally maybe thirty seconds. All right. Well, for one thing. I, I'm not a big fan of orbs in the paranormal. They can either be explained away as dust, water, particles, or moisture, that kind of thing. But I took a picture of the upstairs of the Velisca house. And that particular year, the owner of the house painted the eaves, and there was a drip of paint on the window, which you'll see in one of the photos. But later on that night, I went outside and took some more photos, and I didn't notice it at the time, but there's a perfectly round orb in the upstairs window. It kind of looks like a dark lamp or like a dark wool color or whatever you want to call it. But anyhow, when I zoomed in on it, I noticed that you can see the drip of the paint on the outside of the window still, and you can see that orb behind it. So that means that there wasn't uh, like a, a dust particle or water particle in front of my camera lens because that drip of paint is between whatever that orb is and my camera lens. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Check out these pics. They are available here um, on our website, 997themix.com. Subscribe to the Bonzi Bites podcast, and it's the Paranormal Pursuit. Again, Velisca Part 2 in the books next week, Part 3. And um, if you've <laughs> been creeped out at all by 1 and 2... Just wait for what's going to come up in part three. Yep. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in again next week as Bonzi and I once again pull the string and unravel more mysteries of the paranormal. But until then, happy hauntings.